Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Nicola Nye about data privacy and governance. First, let me tell you about Nicola. Nicola is on the boards of Fast Mail, Coraggio Advisory Group, and is chair of Tech Diversity Lab. She's previously been the chair of a scouting group committee. Nicola serves as Fast Mail's chief of staff, covering all areas of the company's operations from overseeing their compliance and legal responsibilities to managing complex projects with external partners to building more effective internal culture across the global team. She's a firm believer in hope punk, cats and chocolate. They all sound like awesome things to me. I have the cat under my desk as we are recording this. So um, welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Nicola. Thank you, Helia. Lovely to be here. So awesome to have you. And of course, we will delve into data privacy and governance in a moment. But before we do that, as always, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. So can you tell me a story about young Nicola that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? I love reading and I'm well into, you know, books about superheroes and science fiction and all the rest of it. And I've always believed in right and wrong. And, you know, books always had the bad guys getting their comeuppance and and the heroine always triumphed. Justice was served. And it was a bit of a traumatising moment when my father revealed to me that, uh, you know, our legal system does not mean that always that uh, strong sense of karma coming Mm -hmm. back to uh, take out the bad guys, that the law was doing its very best to embody these values, but often the winner in a in a court case came down to who could argue according to the letter of the law because we could not really necessarily hold people to the standard of the spirit of the law despite our best mm. efforts and so fast forward uh, 
decade or three, and I've come through my journey in technology, working for a lot of Melbourne's startup companies, and now I find myself here in this, this these kind of roles. And while other people might sort of shy away from law, compliance, governance, and all the rest of it, I find it fascinating. It's a bit of a superpower to be able to dive into this stuff and hold people to the kind of standard of that right and wrong belief that I had when I was a children, reading and and getting into these books. Um, And I believe it's a way that we can make sure that we build a better society, that build the thing that works the way we want it to work to make sure that the bad guys get stopped and and the good people get to triumph. Oh my God, how fantastic. That is not at all, you know, how I expected a conversation about data privacy and governance to begin with our forces of goodness and evil and good triumphing. That is fantastic. I like it. Was there, were either of your parents lawyers? Is that why that? Uh, no, not at all. My mother uh, is, a, is a physics researcher and my father was a chief financial officer. Um, ah. I just, you know, got right into the storybooks and, and off we go. Oh, fantastic. And dare I say it as someone who is a lawyer myself, editorial comment, but it's also sometimes about the legal representation that you can afford that wins out as opposed to what is what is actually right, you know, if everyone had the same access to representation. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. So, okay, so that gives us a bit of an insight. Oh, look, and I also, sorry, just because I said it in your intro, Hope, Punk, Cats and Chocolate, I'm pretty sure that most of the people listening have got a pretty good idea about what cats are and I'm also pretty sure they've got a good idea about chocolate, both things very dear to my heart. You introduced me to Hope Punk recently. Can you give us, you know, the... uh, Oh, my goodness. The back of the envelope uh, explanation about Hope Punk. So, you know, it it kind of ties in, I guess, a little bit with that good and evil story. And Hope Punk is the idea that in that punk sense of resistance and fighting back against, you know, oppression and kind of that regime that says you must conform – in modern eras, there is a lot of bad stuff happening in the world and through the power of social media and global news networks, it can feel very constraining. And Hope Punk is the idea that, you know, as an active sense of resistance, you can weaponize your optimism and fight back just by holding on to hope, by shining that light out. You can inspire others and through that generate change and that, in fact, it is is almost your, your duty to, uh, you know, fight back against this sense of oppression and show that there is possibility out there for improvement and optimism in the world. And if you can inspire others, then you can build a, a whole movement around it. Oh, my God. You need a cape and to be flying through the skies going, da-da-da. I will just... sign up for that. <laughs> Fantastic. Captain Hope Punk. That's what I might need to call you from here on. Fabulous. Oh, okay. Well, the rabbit holes I enjoy greatly about, you know, young Nicola, Hope Punk, cats and chocolate. Uh, However, we probably should turn to our topic of today, although it totally gives the context about why you told me the topic was data privacy and governance, doing what's right, not just what's legal. So, data privacy and governance, doing what's right. Where should we start, Nicola? It's a lot to dive into. Um, I guess uh, to give a bit of context to data privacy, data privacy and the idea that that individuals have rights over data that, that other entities collect about them, really I feel only entered 
kind of common knowledge when the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal came out and the idea that through data harvested out of Facebook, the outcome of actual governmental elections was being affected and in a way that could not easily be reversed. And so people started to sit there and say, well, hey, what data is being collected about me? Should I be notified if that leaks somewhere we don't want it to go? So there's been a number of companies that have had data breaches and and information has gotten out. Obviously, once it's out, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. The most you can do is minimise harm. So the best thing you can do is prevent the breaches from happening in the first place. So this was sort of my first introduction into data privacy as as something that the end user might care about. You know, everyday consumers should be aware of data privacy. But what I was finding through my work in technology was that a lot of companies were sitting there and saying, we think we've done the right thing, or we don't feel that we need to do anything more, or we need this data in order to further our business interests. I'm sure it won't be breached. I'm sure it's just fine. I'm sure all the partners we're sharing the data with are totally doing the right thing with it. And I'm sitting here in the corner, rocking backwards and forwards, saying, you are just, you know, a nightmare waiting to happen. And so, you know, when serving on boards, you know, I think it's it's important to sort of sit there and say, look, you've got this great product or this great idea or this great service. Yes, you can collect that data. It is legal for you to collect that data. Is it the right thing for you to collect that data? Is there another way you could achieve your goals without, you know, mm-hmm. potentially taking on board more data than you actually need or using it in a bad fashion or have you done your due diligence with your suppliers to make sure that they really are going to use that data in manners in manner that you think it should be mm. so that's that's kind of the nutshell of data privacy but maybe we should dive into a little bit more about data privacy it, itself what does that even what does that mean mm. and so you know if you think about you go and join up at the library Hi, I'm a resident of my local council. I would like a library card so I can borrow library books. And the library will usually say, well, you know, what's your name? Where do you live? What's an email address? And they need these points of data so that they can get funding from the government to prove that you live in the local area. They need an email address often so that they can send you fines or loan reminder notices. And they need to know your name so that they know who they're loaning their books out to and and if you don't bring them back so that they can chase you down. But imagine they started collecting, you know, maybe they ask for your date of birth or your hair colour or your gender identity or maybe they want to know if you're married or how many other people live in your house with you Mm. or maybe they start talking to you about how many other libraries you might be a member of or maybe they start and you know and maybe they want to see your driver's license to help back up your claim that you live in a certain location and suddenly you can see that your humble local Mm. library might actually be collecting a quite a impressive treasure trove of information mm. about you. Now, maybe, you know, you're a standard borrower and then you have a car accident and so you access their um, home delivery service. So suddenly they might have medical knowledge about you as well. And if that local library has their treasure trove and maybe they share it with other government departments for the purposes of potentially getting their government funding, but the other government departments then share that data on and suddenly the work for the doll scheme people, that government Mm -hmm. department suddenly might know that you're out of work or not out of work because of you being in this car accident. Suddenly this data is being Mm -hmm. shared around against your will, against your knowledge and used for potentially justifiable reasons, but it might actually produce harm. And that's not even considering the idea that, you know, maybe the library's IT systems get hacked by 
someone yes. nefarious, like a nefarious mm. actor, uh, mm. and sharing all that data. And that's and that's a really simple example. Obviously, if you've actually got like harmful organisations like a lot of free software, like the social media companies or someone like Google, you know, they've got to monetize you somehow mm. in order to pay for the service to be delivered. Uh, and so they are going to be going off and, and sharing your data and doing so with intent as opposed mm. to, you know, a library scenario where it happens accidentally. Some companies are going out and doing this with intent. That just disgusts me. <laughs> Likewise. I, I was I was thinking of you recently, Nicola. I signed up for something. I can't even remember what it was. Um, I don't know, maybe and it was an event and they needed, sorry, they wanted my home address. And I'm like, there is absolutely no reason why you need my home address for this but you couldn't register without having provided it. Oh, but I've just thought of it now. Duh, why didn't I just put a whole bunch of gobbledygook in there because they generally don't test if it's real or not. <sighs> oh, well, whoever it was, I can't remember now. I've given them my address and I'll sell it off to somebody. Anyway, uh, um, there's me sending myself down a rabbit hole. But, of, you know, you've uh, happened on a, a really great defence mechanism for this. Someone from the... Electronic Frontiers Association, Justin Warren, was saying, you can lie. If someone goes along and asks for data and you don't believe that they have a real and just cause for it, you can say, tell them that your birthday is on the 1st of January in the year 1600. Like, <laughs> I think I, by mistake, did that somewhere once where I think I put my birthday in as 1900 or something. And I think it did actually ping, say, you know, are you sure? You seem a little old for this, whatever it was. So sometimes they've got them set up, but I've definitely, you know, put my phone number in as 0000, et cetera, and it's never been picked up. So, yes, you can get around them. But I guess it's for us on boards, well, I guess it's one thing boards might even be able to check is the integrity of the data. And if lots of people are providing 000 etc as their phone numbers or providing you know meaningless addresses that are just xx then for boards it might be well why are we asking for this data what are we doing with this data is this data protected and held you know held securely are we selling this data if so who to all of those sorts of things is that the sorts of things boards should be asking themselves absolutely i mean i would i would start with the basics which is are we charging enough money for our thing such that we don't have to on-sell people's data? You should be proud to charge money for your product and service. Yes. If it's worth its salt, if you're on a board and, and you think that it's good enough for you to serve on their board, yes. hopefully they're able to make money from it and, and not have to sell it in order for you to be able to survive. So, like, start there. And then second of all is, yes, you know, make sure that the team is doing their due diligence and and reviewing what data are you taking in? Are you storing it? Do you even need it? Can you write in a way that a customer can understand why yes. you are recording this data? Because if you can't explain it to a customer, it's a PR nightmare waiting to happen, which is really mm. bad for your bottom line. And then, you know, and that's assuming it just takes even one of your existing team to mention something in passing where maybe a media outlet might hear or even just, you know, into the pool of your current customers, that's going to be all bad. It's going to produce a huge PR impact that is going to cause your company a, a world of pain and money. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, if you're collecting data that you don't need and it is personal information, then if a malicious person does get in, 
then that's also going to be a huge problem. And, you know, it costs companies and can put them out of business trying to make that right because you need to go out and find all these people and tell them that this has happened and then find some way to apologise and make the situation good again. In Australia, we have mandatory breach reporting laws. So Mm -hmm. you actually got obligations under law that, you know, you as a board member are going to be held to. Is that every Australian organisation? Like who does it cover the mandatory? Is it someone who operates here, somebody who's registered here on the stock exchange? You know, what if they operate here? Yeah. What? No, (laughs) the reach of it. But I do know we are beholden to... The fast mail is beholden to GDPR and, in, in, you know, any company that's selling services or products to people, uh, EU citizens are beholden to GDPR. It's got its own breach reporting laws as well. And so yes. you actually, you know, you might have exposure to to these kind of things in multiple jurisdictions, which is why for mm. me it's a bit of a grey area. I don't know the specifics because fortunately for, for fast mail, we were actually GDPR compliant when yes, GDPR we- came out. All we had to do was write some documentation to explain our existing practices. GDPR came out and a whole bunch of companies suddenly and abruptly vanished from the face of the earth the week before it came into law because they had no way to make their practices compliant at all. What they were doing was totally dodgy and they knew that if that came out or Mm -hmm. when that came out that they would be fined out of existence. So they just vanished a week before the law came into effect. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sort of actually not well up on the reach of our yep. breach reporting laws because we, we're just kind of You're doing, doing the right anyway. thing anyway. And, you know, I think, again, it's one of those you might not be captured officially by the law, but the law mm. exists because it's a really good idea. You know, if you hold data right. on someone and that data ends up in the wrong person's hands, you should go and tell them. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's, you know, as I say, back to the collection, it's like lots of people I hear talking about the security of data and do we have the right kind of mechanisms in place, but it starts much earlier than that. Like, are you collecting stuff just for the sake of it? If so, that's a risk. And as you say, you know, ending up on the front page of the Herald Sun test, it's a risk because you've got all this data that you didn't need anyway. And then someone hacks you or you sell it off or whatever it may be. None of that is particularly good for your reputation and for risk. So it starts a lot earlier than some people think about it. It's not just keeping it secure. And it's, you know, it's not just your data. It's you might have all the best reasons for collecting all the data that you have. But in today's society, most companies are not experts in every problem space. So Mm. they bring on other vendors, other partners Mm. to help them out, maybe with billing or website management. You know, maybe they're running their website on WordPress or maybe they're using mailing list software to send out their newsletters. So suddenly you've got personal data about your customers, you know, other things that are taking place and you share them with your vendors. So have you checked that your vendors are doing the right thing too? Because Mm. if they have a problem, then it becomes your problem because you you actually were the one who shared that data. And so it's it's an organisational risk still from that point of view. And this is why, um, you know, a lot of the times, particularly if you're a small startup and things, you're trying to cut corners, you're trying to do things economically. Things like the App Store, for instance, it has trained consumers and trained us even as individuals to look for free. It's been a giant race to the bottom and we expect things to be able to be free or cheap and we resent paying money for it. And I think that sometimes, particularly in, in that sort of startup ecosystem, you know, you do look for 
how can we do this for free? Can we do it on the free plan? Can we do it on the cheap plan? Or, you know, releasing the purse strings makes it really tough. But, of course, if you're getting something for cheaper than it costs to run it, they're monetizing you somehow and this can, again, impact on what you're getting up to. So you do need to pick good partners and even having picked good partners, make sure that, you know, you've got some good legal contracts in place to protect you if in the event that they get up to no good. So, again, board governance Are all your partners in your ecosystem also doing the right thing? So doing the right thing. When boards are looking at partnerships or third-party providers, what what should they be testing against to make sure that their third-party providers are doing the right thing? We're recently bringing on someone to do some stuff to do with our support system platform. So it was a plug-in to that platform. And, you know, I went and had a look to see whether they had a privacy policy on their website that explained what data they were accessing out of the support platform and what they were doing with it. I had a look to see who they were using to host their data on. Where was it being saved and stored? I had a look to see, you know, how long they'd been in business. I didn't want someone who, you know, had just popped up six months ago and had a great idea and then maybe we're going to abandon it in another six months time. And then I wrote to them and I said, hi, you know, we're beholden to GDPR. Do you have a DPA that we can sign? And they sent me some data. And then I said, look, you know, tell me about, we want to use this aspect of your product. What information do you take on board and what are you saving and why are you saving it? And they were like, well, actually we're saving everything. And I said, why are you saving everything? You don't need it. And they were like, I said, well, you know, you can save everything. We, we can mm-hmm. protect that with a data protection agreement. But, like, if you don't need it, why are you storing it? Yeah. <laughs> and they said, good point. We will stop Small storing question. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, great. So, you know, this is this is the great thing about being in this governance position and being so passionate about data privacy and doing the right thing. Like, we, we could have done the base level. We could have signed it and just protected it with legal agreements. But it was much better to have this conversation with this third party and say, you could do better here. You could just not store the data at all. And then you don't have a ticking time bomb. And we have much less concerns about our customers' data ending up in the wrong place. Best possible outcome. Absolutely. That's actually customer taking an active role in it. Although, can I check? Like, you probably know a little bit more about this area than your average customer. Do customers care about this sort of stuff? I answer tickets, support tickets. They come through and our support team escalates it up to us. Because of FastMail's privacy stance and being so critical of free email providers, I do get a number of inquiries from people and they they ask detailed questions about, you know, what kind of security we use, are, you know, is that data safe when it's in transit? Why are we not using particular things that they've heard about? Or they might write in about other laws that they've heard come in. You know, so yeah, I mean I answer a, a range of questions. Some of them I get in often enough that I've actually got a sort of gand response. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, you're asking about this thing. Yes, lots of people ask about this thing. Here's what you want to know. There is out there in the ecosystem, there are people who are passionate about this just as just as I am crazy as we all are. It was from one of these conversations I had on the podcast, oh gosh, more than 12 months ago now that I finally got myself one of those password thingies, you know, the things. The password manager. Thank you. That's it. Password manager thing. 
Best thing ever, once you've got it all sorted, my Lord, it took me quite some time. I was warned about that and it does take you quite some time to get it all set up. But yeah, it's so maybe from this one, it will have to be as a consumer, I need to just take a bit more notice of those things. I do. I actually read privacy policies when they have click throughs. I read, I do mostly when I read them, I don't sign up for whatever it was that people were asking details for. I was like, oh, you're just going to on sell this somewhere. So yeah, okay, that is a good reminder for me as a consumer to take a bit more notice of such things. And as a board director to think more about, I don't know if it's downstream or upstream, but the data to start with, do we really need it? Then what's happening to it and how secure is it? But do we really need that at the outset? And if you do the right thing and not just the legal thing, but the right thing, and you're looking Mm. after your customer's data, suddenly that becomes a selling point. Because you know, alas, mm. in today's day and age, this is not yet standard. Privacy yes. is not yet. It should be. Privacy yes. should be the default. And, you know, surveillance capitalism should be the exception that requires special, extraordinary circumstances for this to take place. We are not there mm. yet. I continue mm-hmm. the good fight and I'm waving my hope punk banner that, you know, privacy should be normalised. But until that point comes along, it is probably going to be a competitive advantage for your organisation to do Mm. the right thing with customer data and you can showcase the world how good you are at looking after your customer's data and people will come to you because while they might initially aim for the company that maybe is the cheapest, one of the reasons that people stay with an organisation is because Mm. they've got that value aligned, they've they've got that warm, fuzzy feeling that, you know, I don't mind paying a dollar a month more because the person at the cafe was nice to me or I really like that they've got something that's affirming diversity in the workplace on their wall or in this case I really feel that they have my best interests at heart when representing and looking after my information that I am trusting them to hold on me and that earns you word of mouth referrals it earns you customers coming through the door it produces stickiness so even if something goes a bit wrong they're like oh well you know I know that they are trying to do the right thing and you know I've got this history of blog posts or whatever it is about it that has shown me that they're doing the right thing, I will forgive them this transgression and move on rather than churning out at the first sign of trouble. So like it's a, from a company perspective, doing the right thing is also helpfully going to earn you some, uh, earn you some revenue. Well worth it. Gotta love that. Don't you? (laughs) Win-win. Totally right. (laughs) Oh, Nicola, I knew there would be way too much in this conversation, but we've covered a lot regardless. So what are the key things that you would like people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? When you think about what is the purpose of the board, you know, Mm -hmm. it's there to provide advice and it's there to give, you know, your exec team and the company some sense of external accountability to hold them up to the right standard because, you know, left without that kind of accountability, it is easy to rationalise things. And I would say don't be afraid of getting into that policy and compliance stuff. It seems scary on the outside, but once you start getting into it, you suddenly discover that it opens up a world of possibilities for you. It opens up, you know, marketing doors. It opens up um, partnerships and relationships. And it means that you will get to know your vendors a little bit more closely and be a little bit more intentional about what the company is trying to achieve, which is pretty awesome. But mostly, like, 
don't just do what's what you can get away with under law. Don't do the bare minimum. Yeah. Do the right thing. You know, pick yeah. the ethical choice. It might maybe cut back on a little bit of bottom line that you're getting up to. Certainly advertising in today's market is really hard unless you're using something quite intrusive like Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you do what's right, it comes back to repay you a thousandfold in terms of other things like customer referrals and sticky customer behavior. Yeah, loyalty. Nice. Oh, and is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Look, if you want to start looking into some of the data privacy stuff that is floating around, I would recommend looking at uh, Salinger Privacy Blog. The team there writes some really clear, easily able to be understood kinds of things. I would have a look at Electronic Frontiers Association. If you're not into advocacy yourself, but you would like other people to be able to advocate for you, they're a good group to get on board. Check out Tech Diversity Lab and Fastmail for products that might help you out. Yeah, fantastic. All right, we're going to put links to all of those things in the show notes for people. And folks, if you're out walking and you can't look at the links in the show notes right now, just go and have a look at the website later. They'll all be there. Oh, Nicola, thank you. See, it's made me think, okay, so now after we've recorded, I will load this into, you know, my shared thing. And then what do I do with the data there? When am I deleting? How am I getting rid of stuff? You've got my mind buzzing for my own organisation, let alone the ones I'm on the board of. So thanks for sharing so many great insights with the Take On, with me and with the Take On Board community today. Absolute pleasure, Helia. I'm very passionate about this and it's a funny topic to be passionate about, but hopefully I have introduced a little bit of life into something that other people might shy away from otherwise. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And, well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.